I lift you up and I just pray that you draw us by your spirit. I pray that you show us your word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Woo! This is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what the devil's trying to do, there's going to be a day, one day, I'm going to step out of this earthly body and step into heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's not going to be there no more. Nowhere around. Nothing he can do. Nothing he can say. Ooh, what a glorious day. Wow. We bless you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, God. Thank you for those that have gathered together this morning. God, we thank you that we stand in the midst and right on the beginning of great revival, Lord. That you're going to pour out your spirit on all flesh, God. It's written in your word. We believe it, God. We're going to see heaven come to earth like has never been seen since the beginning of time. You visited Moses in a cloud, Lord. You came down and spoke to him face to face. The glory came down in Solomon's temple, Lord. And the priest could not even stand to minister. God, we believe a greater day is coming soon. That the whole world will truly know that Jesus is the Son of God. That he was crucified on a cross and buried in a grave and raised on the third day and that he's alive Woo. <laughs> Jesus is alive hallelujah Woo. wow such a blessing to be in Arkansas where it's not freezing today in Colorado it's about three to five degrees so uh I'm glad to be. Seems like Lord, the Lord lets me leave at the right times. I want to just read it a little bit more about revival. This was the revival in Ireland in 1859. In the country, large meetings were held in the open air because they couldn't fit in the church anymore. And hundreds were often visibly impressed by strong conviction. Part of the dinner hour, dinner hour was generally devoted to singing and prayer. And the sound from numerous groups of worshipers could be heard far at a distance as it was borne on the summer breeze. Thousands of tracks were circulated and read with avidity. And long-neglected Bibles came into general use. How amazing. The first effect of the revival was that fear came upon every soul. Then was our church filled to suffocation, and we were obliged to take to the open fields to declare the message of mercy to a hungering and thirsting population. The, the here-though unoccupied pews were ardently sought after. 
All were engaged. The aisles were filled with forms of crowded and anxious hearers. And now preaching became a luxury. Every Sabbath day was a day of sweet refreshing. On every weekday evening, they that feared the Lord spake often to one another. And the Lord hearkened and heard. And there was added to the church daily such as should be saved. Of all the stricken ones, I do not know of one backslider. I believe they got converted. They didn't just make a decision. They got converted. Lord, we're looking forward to the hour. The heavens are open. And the Spirit of God begins to dwell upon people. And our communities are touched. It's awesome. We have a great hope. And it's not just a hope that's an empty hope, but it's a hope because we can read in history that God has done those things before. And if he's done them before, he can surely do them again. Amen? I want to read in Numbers this morning. I'm going to start in Numbers 13 and uh, verse 30. It's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to get to see you. Pastor Angie and Pastor Tim and everybody. It's been a long pandemic. Pandemonium has broke out in the pandemic. It's about time for pandemonium to break out in the church. <laughs> Holy Ghost pandemonium. In uh, verse 30, 1330, it says, And Caleb quieted the people and before Moses and said, Let us go at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Which we're talking about the 12 spies that have been into the promised land and seen what was available there. And when they came back, there was two that had a different opinion than the other ten. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. It sounds like a foolish thing coming from men who just not long ago had, had been driven out. The Egyptians actually drove them out of Egypt because of the plagues that God had performed on Egypt. They'd asked them, they'd actually made them leave and gave them their gold and their silver and their clothing to go. And now you come to some people who say, oh my goodness, they're stronger than us. You just stood in the desert when there was a cloud in the daytime and a fire by night. And when the Egyptians chased after you in their chariots, a wall of fire stood between you and them. And then God had a wind blow and, and part the Red Sea that you just crossed over. And then just as supernaturally as it opened up, as the Egyptian soldiers got to the middle of the sea floor, God closed it back up and wiped out the whole Egyptian army. 
But now you're afraid of a few giants. That's why we need to be touched by God. That's why we need to encounter God. And it's sad that even those that encounter God, sometimes it's not long after our encounter, the devil shows up and we're like, oh my gosh. Man, the devil's in my house. The devil shouldn't want to come to your house. Because trouble's about to show up when he comes. He ain't going to like what's about to happen. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw were men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Enoch, came, uh, that came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers. In our own sight, and so we were in their sight. How do you see yourself? I'm just a grasshopper. What about I'm just the temple of the living God? I'm a son or daughter of God. Hallelujah. My father is the most high. There's nothing impossible for those who believe. And I'm one of those who just happens to believe. So watch out. There's nothing God can't do. If God be for me, who can be against me? The church has given up too much ground. The government looks like giants. They're taking over the land. Uh, Education looks like giants. Even religion looks like giants. The religious have talked us out of a Holy Ghost moving in our midst. Talking about the church in general. And we've looked at things and said, well, it's too great for us to accomplish. You know, a lot of people have given up on revival in America. We're too far gone for God to show up and move. There's, it's impossible. And I'm like, the, the problem is you really never met with God because if you met with him, you would find out nothing is impossible for God. It can't get dark enough. It can't get deep enough. It can't get hazy enough. It can't get messed up enough. They ain't got enough weapons out there to stop. If God begins to move, it's over. Egypt, the greatest nation in the world, and God made it look like a little kid. And by the time he wiped the floor with them, they didn't want nothing to do with God or none of the Hebrew children. And the Hebrew children didn't realize when they went into that promised land to see what God had for them, those that were there feared because they'd heard about what had happened to Egypt. I mean, the devil knows what's living inside of us. In fact, witches and demonic people have said, you know, when Christians come in the room, we can see what's inside of them. The problem is they just don't know what's inside of them. So if we can win over their mind, then we can have authority over them. What is our mindset? Because heaven's inside of us. 
The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not a kingdom of decrease. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people were in the upper room. When God poured out his spirit, now there's over a billion that say they're born again. God is not a God of decrease. He's a God of increase. Just like Pastor Robert said a while ago, he's a God of increase. In chapter 14, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept at night. Lord, what are you doing to us? And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Seems like they keep going back to, let's go back to Egypt. Let's die in the wilderness time after time. You know what? We need to burn the bridges to Egypt. There, there needs to be no spot in our mind for retreat. For going back. Well, I'm just going back to doing what I used to do. No, you need to burn that bridge so you can't go back to what you used to do. Burn the bridges so we're just going straight ahead. There's no retreat. There's no going back. I mean, why just die in the wilderness? Why not at least die fighting the giants? I mean, you might take one or two of them out before you go. Praise God. You know, when the... You know that in 1812... The British attacked America again. They're pretty upset about what happened in 1776. So they regained their forces and decided they would come back again and try to take back over. They actually attacked Washington, D.C. and took over Washington. The president had to move out of there. Then they were coming down the coastline to Fort McHenry. The general that was at Fort McHenry knew they were coming and they were coming through the ocean, but they were also coming down the land banks. It said he had a bigger flag made. I think it was 20 by 30. or It was a huge American flag. He said, I want the British to know when they sail by where Fort McHenry is at. Because they're going to see this flag flying. As they came down the coast, they took prisoners also. The Americans took prisoners of the British soldiers. Then the standoff came at Fort McHenry when the British Armada was gathered out there, all their ships to get ready to bomb. There was a doctor on board that a lot of the Americans liked very much. So they sent out the man who wrote the Star Spangled Banner, Francis Scott Key, I believe. He was a lawyer, so they sent him out to the British ship to negotiate a trade of prisoners. They would give the British prisoners, they would give the American prisoners. The British general said, okay, we'll do that. In fact, there were many of the prisoners in the belly of that ship. So Francis went down and said, you're going to be released. Then he went back up and the general said, it's not going to happen till tomorrow because we're going to bomb you all night long and by tomorrow there's going to be a treaty and it won't make any difference.
So the British started bombing. Francis Scott Key went back down in the belly of the ship and said, they're not releasing you tomorrow till tomorrow. And they're bombing Fort McHenry all night. 30 to 100 ships bombing all night. So the men in the belly began to pray. In the middle of the night when the bombs were bursting, a light would light up and Francis would see the flag still standing. And he would go into the belly of the ship and he would say, they would ask, is the flag still standing? And he'd say, yes, the flag is still standing. And they would continue to pray. And early in the morning hour, 3 or 4 o'clock, the British general asked Francis, he said, why won't they surrender? We have bombed them to oblivion. He said, because they'd rather fight standing on their feet than bow down on their knees and give up and be slaves. So they kept bombing and bombing, and we know the story that as the daylight broke, the bombs were still bursting in air. There was that flag, bent over, crooked looking, but it was still standing. You go back down in the bottom of the ship and say, it's still standing. And the British stopped bombing. They released the prisoners. When Francis got there to the fort, he, you know, they were talking about it. He said, he saw the flag was standing all night, but how come it's leaning over? He said, well, and some of the bombs had broken the flagpole. The Christian men went out and held it up with their own hands. When they would die and get wounded by the bombs, the others would go out and hold it up. So it was held up by men all night long so that flag would continue to stand and we would be one nation under God. Men that wouldn't give up and wouldn't bow down in the midst of great odds were willing to lay their lives down that we can have the freedom that we have today. Men that didn't see themselves as grasshoppers, but saw themselves as free men. Woo! Hallelujah! They didn't whine, they didn't cry, they didn't complain. They were willing to lay their lives down. How sad when people freely take our flag and lay it on the street corners and burn it. I think people ought to be put, personally I think they ought to go to two weeks of incarceration. They ought to be taught about our history of our nation during those couple of weeks. Then they ought to be taken for three months to a foreign nation to see what it looks like to live somewhere else. I think when they come back after that, they'll probably be happy to be here. Like I said last night, not everything's perfect, but it's about the best thing going on. Woo, God, help us not to fail at our moment of, ad of adversity. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fail by the sword that our wives and children should become victims they were already victims. They were slaves in Egypt. They were victims already. 
Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? No. Some go back to our drugs. Some go back to our alcohol. Some go back to our perversions. But tell me after a year, is it better? Is life better? I've never found a backslidden Christian that five years later or sometime later, I say, well, how's life doing you now? And they hold their head down and talk about how bad it is. Amen. I've never once heard one say, I'm so much better off since I left God. Being with God don't stop us from trials, but it gives us the power to go through them. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Japonath, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Because they knew God wasn't about to be excited about what was going on. They were saying, have mercy on us, God. They done spied out the promised land. You know, there's people that have been to and have been part of and in the midst of revival. God really pouring out his spirit. You know, we've had good services. You have good services. Some of us here visited what was going on at Brownsville, and we saw what was happening when heaven was invading earth or Toronto or some other place. And a lot of places in our towns, we've had momentary moves of God. We know what it looks like. Man, once you've ever been touched by that move of God, once you've ever been touched by heaven, uh, to me, it's truly hard to go back, and it's truly hard to be satisfied with dead, dry, dull, boring, stale religion. Just going into church and singing three songs, having a 20-minute sermon, uh, two points and a prayer, and go home won't cut it anymore because you've been, you've been over to the promised land and you've seen what's available to live in the very bosom of God, to see heaven invading earth. And you're saying, man, there's no, you guys just, I mean, you look like a fanatic. You're like, what's wrong? People look at you like, what's wrong with you? A while back, I was on a... <clears throat> rent a car at the airport and I was going back into the airport and you know the, now all the car rentals are way off from the airport somewhere so uh, I was running short of time so I got an Uber to take me back instead of waiting for the bus another guy was there and he got in the car I said come on and we'll split the fare and he said okay on the way we started talking about the Lord and he said yeah I'll go to this church somewhere out east he said I told the pastor if we would Knock it down from two hours of service to an hour and a half. People wouldn't be leaving. I said, well, probably if God would show up, people wouldn't be leaving. He was kind of stunned. And he said, you're probably right. If God would really show up, people would not be interested in looking at their watches. Because I've been over in the promised land where you didn't care what time it was. In fact, a lot of times they're turning the lights off and telling you to leave. And you're saying, not yet. I mean, that's what we're pressing in toward. Praise God, he gives us an anointing. Praise God, he shows up when we pray. But there's something greater that we're pressing for. I mean, they could survive wandering around the mountain. God provided manna to eat and water to drink from the rock. And God provided the quail. And 
God would not let any of their enemies come after them. They could survive wandering around the mountaintop. The church can survive wandering around the mountain in the desert. But God's wanting us to cross over. Woo! Press into where heaven is at. You know, he said, when you cross over, you're going to have to do battle. And when you cross over, the manna's not coming every day and the water's not coming every day. But there's provision over there already made. And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. I believe we're depending now on the spies who spied out, who've been there, who've been touched by revival to speak to the next generation that it's a good land. Uh, what you're running after is worth running after. What you young people are praying for and pressing in for, it's worth pressing in and praying for. It'd be a lot nicer for me to stay at home the last six months and enjoy my grandchildren and enjoy my family and Joy, my aging father, but I'm here to tell you there's something inside. There's a fire burning, and there's a promise coming, and there's a nation that needs to be transformed and saved. So I can't just rest at home and take it easy. I've got to be about my father's business. One day we'll get to spend eternity together in heaven. We can't be waving the white flag at this time. It's an exceedingly good land. Woo. It's hard to describe what's happen what happens when heaven invades earth. You have to be there, really, but we can just tell our testimonies. Praise God, YouTube has a lot of testimonies. You can go and watch. People are touched. You can't get off the floor for hours when you can't drive your car. You can't even figure out how to crank it up. And you can't sleep for nights in a row because the electricity from heaven is invading wherever you're laying down at. When you go into places, the Spirit of God begins to hit people and they begin to fall over. When people come that have been Christians for 20 years and they run to an altar and actually get, looks like they get saved again. And the best way they describe it is, I got born again, again. Because they thought they were okay. I go to church, I pay my tithe, I worship, I pray during the week, I read my Bible. But then they went to a place where heaven was at. And they realized they'd been wandering still in the desert. Provision had been made, but they had not crossed over into the place that God wanted them to cross over into. The fullness of what God wants them to have on this earth. All creation is crying out for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. God's saying, it's available. I want you to have this. Caleb said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. 
You really didn't hear the other ones talking about the milk and honey. They're just talking about the giants. Man, when you get ready to cross over that river in revival, there are giants over there too. There's the giant, one of the biggest giants is religious devils. They'll do everything they can to make you want to cross back over the river and stay out of their land. Woo. But just march around them seven times and shout. And watch the walls fall down. Woo. They're not going to be want to be around for long, or either they'll do what they need to do. They'll come and get born again, come into the kingdom. We just read that they couldn't find one person that was still a backslider after having encountered heaven, after getting converted in the Irish revival. We just read about houses all around the community at supper hour. They'd be singing and worshiping God because there was such a transformation. No, you, you really are not thinking about other things. you Instead of living to eat, you eat to live. Because you really don't think about eating that much because you're so caught up in the presence of God. Now, you know that serious revival when you're so caught up. You're not wondering about where am I going to go eat today. You're looking around, God, just give me a few slices of bread and a piece of spam and I'm ready. Do not rebel against the Lord. He has us on a journey. Do not rebel. No going back. Nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Woo! They're not an obstacle or a wall. Those giants are our bread. Those demonic powers that are holding you, that's just our bread. Rolling over them like a steamroller. I mean, did you ever see a day in the New Testament when Jesus had trouble with devils? He said, greater things will you do. I mean, the devil's tormented God's people for about 2,000 years. It's about time for payback. It's time where he don't want to be around none of God's people because when he's around them, he's getting beat down all the time. They're our bread. And Caleb didn't see himself as a grasshopper. He's like, man, them giants ain't nothing. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Man, I think Caleb saw things that many Christians don't even see today. Their protection. He didn't say, my gosh, they're big and muscled up, but they've got old now and their muscles have shrunk down and their steroid pills stopped working. So I think we can take them. I think there's some disease or plague that's come against them and now they can't get out of their bed so we can take them. 
we've got some supernatural new gun and we can take them. No, he said their protection has left them. Their demonic principalities and powers that have been ruling in that area have left them. And now all we have to do is go in and take the spoils. If God be with us. I think we're in a time where God, the host of heaven, you know, what we're seeing in these riots is just a manifestation of heaven coming to earth and the demons are manifesting. And God's saying their protection is gone. It's left them. It's time to go in and take the land. See, it's not a fleshly battle. It's a battle of principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and heavenly places. And there's more that's for us. Is what Elisha said to Gehazi when he looked out the window, or Gehazi said to Elisha when he saw the horses and chariots of fire all over the mountains, he said, there's more that's for us than those that are against us. I mean, if one prophet could sit in a house in his rocking chair when his servant comes and says, we're surrounded by an army. And he didn't even get out of the rocking chair. He knew their protection was gone. Man, they had marched into the wrong fellow's front yard. Will you be that wrong fellow or wrong lady today that the enemy has done marched into the wrong front yard? Father, right now we just rebuke that cancer in the name of Jesus. We curse that thing at the roots in the name of Jesus right now. It's done marched into the wrong front yard right now in the name of Jesus. We curse that enemy in the name of Jesus that you should live and not die and declare the works of the Lord and that the power of heaven would come right now. Cancer, you got to die. you got to die. Go in the name of Jesus. You don't belong here any longer. You have no right. You're trespassing on God's property right now. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Their protection has left them. They thought it was because they were big nine feet tall that nobody but Caleb saw something in the spirit. Their protection's gone. They're ours now. I believe those that have been ruling in governmental places in the dark areas, I believe the light of heaven's beginning to shine and their protection is gone. Those demons that have guarded over and protected them and let them run amok and live however and do however they want to do, their protection is being gone. As soon as Caleb and Joshua had rose up to begin to speak, and Caleb had spoke his part. There are bread, and their protection is gone. And it says in verse 10, And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Can you imagine when you, when you really stand up for Jesus, and it was their own congregation, the own ones that had seen God move in Egypt, that had seen the hand of God as they crossed the Red Sea. And now they're saying, stone these people. They're too radical. 
They want us to go into the promised land. Woo. Religion will wonder why you're meeting during the week and praying. Religion will wonder why you show up an hour early and pray. Religion will wonder how come you go past a one-hour service. Religion will wonder why you walk around speaking in tongues. Religion will do everything it can to stop. It comes out with its stones and says you have to stop. That is not the people of the world we generally have to worry about. It's religious devils who've compromised the word of God. We talk, we talk about an antichrist. Christ means charisma, the gifts, the anointed one. So anti-anointing. I mean, there's people that need to be careful. Because they blasphemy the anointing of God. It, it ain't by our good works. It ain't by our good methods. It ain't just by our voting. It ain't just by our protection. The Lord said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If it's ever time for us to be a Pentecostal church, now is the time for us to be a Pentecostal church. Not ashamed of what God wants to do. Not ashamed. Fill me with the fire, God. Let there be rivers of living water flowing out of my belly into all the streets and all the neighborhoods and all the stores and all the businesses, God. Open my mouth and I will speak. Woo. This is not the time to draw back. This is not the time to hide out. This is not the time to hold your head down. It's time to rise up and be the ecclesia. The ruling council. The world's looking for. The world's looking for those who know they belong to Christ. There's a, a lady at church testified. Her and her husband been at revival every night as far as I know. She said, God has commanded me for everybody I speak to, I have to pray for them. She said, I wait for those telemarketers to call me on the phone. And after they get through, I say, wait just a minute. I'm a follower of Jesus. What can I pray for you? She said, not one of them's hung up the phone. By the time she's praying, she said, a lot of them are crying. She said, in the store, out walking around the neighborhood, wherever I go, if I make contact, I'm a follower of Jesus. How can I pray for you? Nobody says no. Woo! But in the midst of the whole congregation getting ready to stone them, now the glory of the Lord woo, appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Woo! <laughs> Woo! They didn't just hear a voice. They didn't just hear thunder and lightning on the mountainside. They didn't just see a fire by day, by night, and a cloud by day. The glory of the Lord appeared in the middle of them. I bet they dropped their stones. 
It wasn't me, Lord. It was them. It's time to get on Caleb's side now. Oh, let me over there. God came into the equation and said, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them. I bet God was a little bit frustrated. Like, when are you guys going to get this deal? I'm with you. I'm the one that helped you get out of Egypt. I'm the one that parted the Red Sea. I'm with you. I've got a plan. There's a promised land I'm taking you into. Stop rebelling. Stop being afraid. Stop being scared. Stop being timid. Stop being shy. And let's go in. He told Moses, I'll strike them with pestilence and, and disinherit them. Cut them out of the inheritance. Now I will make of you a greater nation and a mightier than they. I mean, that's pretty bold because there's at least over a million people. And in a quick work, God's going to make Moses a greater nation and a greater people. God, will you convince us that nothing is impossible? Nothing is impossible. And you know what? There are sickness, disease. You know, I, I loved hearing the story of Kenneth Hagin, somebody talking about Kenneth Hagin and saying he is teaching on healing. And he said that nobody during his pastorate, nobody died of a disease or sickness in his church. Nobody died before their time. When it was time, they left. But it wasn't by sickness or disease. God at least let us have what the men of old had. Amen. Praise God. I appreciate Apostle Angie pressing in, being uh, 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 the point of the spear. And you, you need to realize that being the point of the spear is not always easy. I mean, you're trying to break through something. And it's for the advantage of all. Elijah had some trouble. And he called down fire on the prophets, on the sacrifice when the prophets of Baal. He challenged the prophets of Baal to a mountaintop to call down fire. And he called down fire. Then he rode into town. Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. Then he went to the desert and hid. He cried, God, go ahead and kill me before she kills me, pretty much. I'm out here terrified. I mean, it looked like at times he failed miserably. At times he did awesome things. But he didn't look like the most successful ministry. It looked like at times he missed God. He felt like he missed God. But then you have his, the one he mentored, Elisha, comes along. He said, I want the double portion. And you can read, and he got about double the miracles. And it doesn't say a time that I read in there where, where he was ever doubting, running, saying, God, kill me. Elijah paved the way for what Elisha was about to do. But it's amazing if you read in the New Testament the name of Elijah is mentioned 21, 22 times. 
in the name Elisha is mentioned maybe one time. Why did God mention Elijah when he seemed like the one who was not successful and not mention Elisha very often when he was the one that had the double portion and the double miracles and it didn't look like he ever fell back? Because Elijah was the point of the spear. He was the breaker. God doesn't judge us by our success. He judges us by our willingness to obey in the face of great obstacles. God, this looks impossible to me and man, but you said it, so I'm going to do it anyway. In some of our small towns, God, it's so religious and so many things. You're going, looks like it's impossible to have revival here. In fact, it's funny, for years when I traveled, when I come into town, the first thing two or three people would come to me and say is, man, did you, do you feel the demonic oppression in my city? Can you, I mean, some of them can even point out, when I'm, on top of that water tower, there's a dark angel that stays up there. You know how dark it is. And I'm thinking, I'd like to go into a town where somebody said, do you see heaven coming? Do you see the angels of God coming? Do you see there's more that's for us than those that are against us? But it is good in the last couple of years traveling. It's amazing. People say, God's told me and showed me in a vision that revival's starting here and spreading across the U.S. People in Denver saying revival's starting here and spreading across the U.S. I was just on the Mojave uh, Indian Reservation and met with native people, and they said revival's starting here and spreading across the U.S. People in California are saying it's starting here. People in Kentucky are saying it's starting here. People in Florida are saying it's starting here. People in North Carolina are saying it's starting here. I believe it's going to start somewhere. It may be all at once and just blow up through the ground. I believe it's going to be such a groundswell. The devil will be so confused he don't know which way's up. I don't believe all of them are missing it. I believe God's speaking to people and saying, Oh, yeah, you just hadn't even seen. If he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We were watching a testimony on Thursday night. I teach uh, history of revival, and it's really a school of revival. We were watching a testimony from uh, Pastor Rick Shelton, I believe, that went to Rodden Howard Brown's meetings in the 1993-94. He said, some people in my church had uh, asked me about, they'd been seeing, and said, what about this pastor? And he said, told my wife, we need to go down there and visit because if some of my people are getting involved in this, we need to figure out some way to tell them not to get involved. So he said, I went down there, and I mean, he's suit and tie and everything. He said, I'm sitting in my chair, and I watch these two ladies, and they're just rolling on the floor manifesting. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. He said, I looked, and I seen there's a camera crew coming my way. I thought, oh, no, if they get me on video and show it and my people and my congregation see I'm in this service, it's going to ruin my reputation. He said, so I slid down the chair into the floor. And said, about that time and within a minute or so, something hit me on top of the head and began to flow down over my body. Said, the next thing, I'm sobbing and weeping right there. And the camera's coming, and I don't care if the camera's coming. He said, then my hand starts shaking. I'm like, why is my hand shaking? He said, normally we kick people out of our church for that. 
And he said, normally if the Holy Spirit does happen to move in our church, my wife is the first one to get touched. And I thought she must be wiped out by now because I, he said, I've never felt like this before. He said, I looked at my wife and she's still sitting in her chair looking at me just smiling. He said, I know this, I can't explain what happened, but I have been in the presence of God before, and I know this is the presence of God. So he said, I went back to my church and told my wife, I ain't telling them nothing. He said, all I did Sunday morning was say, your pastor is a different man. And he said, I didn't hardly even get that out of my mouth, and the power of God started hitting in my congregation. Said, we hadn't seen healing in a long time. And I walked out there and started praying. People started getting healed. They were all over the floor. Same thing that was happening down there started happening in my church. So we had Pastor Rodney come up for a, a month of meetings. He said, we went out to dinner the first night before service. Said, the power got hit in the restaurant. I, didn't, I thought we was all going to be on the floor. He said, God started moving it, and during that month, we had over 400 pastors come to services. So one of our men went up north to Illinois, somewhere where his business was. He was calling somebody in Texas about business. And after they got near the end of their phone call, the guy in Texas said, can I ask you something? He said, yeah. He said, you go to church, don't you? He said, yes. He said, is anything unusual happening in your church? Now, the pastor's church is in St. Louis. This businessman was up in Illinois, and this other one's in Texas. He said, by the way, yes, it is. He said, I didn't know if we were the only ones. He said, what happened? He said, well, some people in our church in Texas went up to visit this revival in St. Louis. And when they came back down here, the same stuff that was happening in St. Louis started happening in our church. Pastor said, we had one couple that didn't even like what was going on, so they searched to find some safe church for them to go to. When they walked in there, it was dead, and in a few minutes after they walked in there, the same thing started happening in there that just happened where they left from. Wouldn't that be something you couldn't even help yourself? Once you got in there, you try to get away from it. You can run, but you can't hide. Woo! See, that's what I'm talking about, revival. And that pastor said, in his closing, he said, this is the one thing I know. He said, I thought before our nation was too far gone for anything to help it. But I can tell you right now, in one night's time, with God, nothing is impossible. This thing can spread so fast that men can't believe it. Moses stands before the Lord and says, the Egyptians will hear what you're about to do. By your might, you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, God, you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame, will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring these people to the land which he swore to give them. 
Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. God's able. We don't have to wait on a rescue mission. God's not coming for a rescue mission. He's coming for a bride that's spotless. He's coming for sons and daughters of God. He's coming for those that look like him and act like him. He's not coming for people hid out somewhere in a closet. Because then the devil could say, I won. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken. You know, why did Caleb Caleb got, 40 years later, he got to go into the promised land. Him and Joshua were the only two of that generation that made it in. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 36, he said, Except Caleb, the son of Joshua, or I mean Japuna, he shall see it. And to him and his children, I'm giving the land on which he walked. Because he wholly followed me. What made him different than the other crowd that turned back? He was wholly in. It's all in. There's no return. He burned his bridge over the Red Sea. I'm not going back. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die fighting right here. I'm going to fight these giants. Man, we've got a great promise. If something does happen to us, we don't lose. We go to heaven. Hey, it's not that bad. I read about it. I love it when they did cross the land. When they did go over 40 years later, Caleb came to Joshua and said, I want my land. He's 80 years old. He said, I'm still able to come and go. I've still got my eyesight. I want my land. I think at 80 years old, I think he had the worst. Where He wanted the mountain where those giants were at. He said, I don't want this easy land over here. I want the worst place, was my thinking, in the whole nation. Because I'm going to show these people what I told them 40 years ago is still true. My God is able. And as an 80-year-old man, I'm going to run up that hill and I'm going to whoop them giants behind and run them out of our city. Give me the worst, most fortified, because their protections left them. Could you imagine this little 80-year-old man headed up that hill with a few others? I'll tell you what's going on behind those fortified walls, them giants up there. Run! Run! Here comes that little bald-headed crazy guy. They knew their protection had left. I bet they didn't really see Caleb. They saw the host of the armies of heaven. And they saw the captain of the host. And they were terrified. Because they knew it was time for their walls to come down. We don't back off. The enemy don't see us. 
He sees God with us. Amen. You know, anytime I've done deliverance, I've never heard a devil speak from somebody like, you know you can't do this. I'm fixing to whoop you. All of them like, oh, not now. Not I'm just a baby devil. I'm just a baby. Don't do this. It's not. I mean, they're all trembling and crying. Do they know what's about to happen? They got to go. Woo. The prayer, the fasting, the worship. Studying the word of God. God's building a fortress. God's building an army that cannot be defeated. You know, sometimes we're not the majority of people. God never waited for a majority to show up before he went to war. Sometimes it's just one man. Sometimes it's 300 Sometimes it's a lady telling the man, Deborah, God's going to give us this. We got to go out there. So don't fear in these coming days. And a lot of prophets are prophesying it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. Oh, well. The Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, that only the kingdom of God will stand. Man, we're just watching the shaking going on. Woo! And I believe the prayers of the saints, the, the, the uh, football fields and the arenas that have been filled with people praying is what's causing this shaking to take place. I mean, look at 2016, just the election Nobody really predicted that Donald Trump would be the president. And a lot of those, it's amazing, a lot of those that didn't vote because they didn't believe now are out voting. Not because of who Donald Trump is, but we just believe God's hand. God has supernaturally, God is interested in governments. God set this government up. I mean, if you read Isaiah 33, uh, 22, 33, you see that our justice system, our three-tier system, is set up by Scripture. And it's our responsibility not to let that slip through our fingers. God has a purpose for this nation. I mean, if you read about the forefathers coming onto the shores of this land and the things that took place. And I agree, there are some things that weren't good that took place. And God will judge those who did that. But God may also judge us for our time and what we did. We can't go back and change time, but we can change the future. And, you know, I appreciate that you guys are already going after it. I just want to confirm and encourage you. If, if you've not been fully in, now's the time to be in. God's given you a sphere of influence. He's given you, he, you're living in this place at this time for such a time as this.
Now's the time to take the ball and run with it. Woo! This is our greatest hour. Wow! Woo! Ha-ha! Yeah! You know, in revival, we're seeing a lot of people with joy. I mean, you can, you can do battle in the midst of joy. That's really good. I mean, woo! When that oppression, depression, anxiety, and fear comes, and God said, no, I'm going to give you some medicine. Here, take some joy. People came in with their head down and darkness covered them and left out laughing, couldn't hardly get out the door, drive their car, nothing else. The joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. I believe we can fight, you know, just when the devil shows up, what really makes him mad is just laugh at him. <laughs> it's you, huh? If you ain't laughing, just be praying in tongues. He starts getting schizophrenic. Because he don't know what you're saying. He don't know what's about to happen. Because God said, I'm going to pray through you. The Spirit of God is going to pray through you because he knows what to pray. He's going to pray with groanings and utterings that cannot be understood. And that devil's going to be looking around like, oh, no, it's coming down. So laugh or pray, but don't run away. (laughs) Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.